The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by TechTown Detroit, Detroit's entrepreneurship hub. TechTown Detroit is a business incubator and accelerator, helping tech startups and local businesses launch and grow. TechTown supports businesses with co-working, office, meeting, and event space. They also connect entrepreneurs to resources and learning and networking events in Detroit. TechTown Detroit, Detroit's entrepreneurship hub. Hey everybody, happy Thursday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. And on today's program, given the announcement yesterday by the University of Michigan and the city of Detroit that they want to build a new innovation center here in downtown Detroit, well, obviously a lot of the discussion is about talent and whether or not Detroit is producing enough talent to compete in the future. We're going to have a little discussion about that because maybe we're defining talent the wrong way. My guest today is going to be the CEO and president at TechTown, Ned Stabler, to have a conversation about talent and what exactly that means and whether or not we are mining that talent properly here in the city. That's coming up on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Stick around. Should be a fun conversation. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you very much for being with me on this Thursday, a rainy Thursday, Halloween here in Detroit. But that doesn't mean I'm not out on the road today. I am at Tech Town. Of course, Tech Town, a great sponsor of this program, and uh, we appreciate their help. But one of the things I like to do on the show regularly is talk to cool people doing cool things. And my guest today is, of course, Tech Town CEO, Ned Stabler. He's been a guest on this program before. Ned, thanks for having me over today. <laughs> thanks, Craig. I think you're failing in your mission if you're looking for cool people, but I'll <laughs> fill in for one until you find it's, one. It's one of my favorite things about this show, though, is, is that I get to talk to people who I think are doing important work in the community. It doesn't have to be a news peg around it. If somebody's doing something, nice, something neat, I want to talk about well, it. Well, in that case, so, you're in the right place because well, there's a ton of cool folks walking in and out of this building. Absolutely. And so that's why I'm here today, though. Uh, you had your, of course, annual Toast of the Town event uh, just a couple of weeks ago here at Tech Town. And you had a great speech. I thought you did a great job. And, of course, you know, giving out awards to people who are making a difference in the community. But you had a conversation about talent. Mm. in Detroit. Um, and I think this is particularly important today as we're getting the news that the University of Michigan, of course, taught looking to open a new center in downtown Detroit where the jail was going to be. A big announcement coming yesterday about that. And there was a lot of discussion about talent and the shortage of talent in Detroit around that. And of course, when Amazon rejected the city of Detroit, they argued that part of it was a shortage of talent. Your message to your audience the other day, though, sent a very, very different message. And I want to give you a chance to amplify that a little bit further because you're suggesting that maybe we're not seeing talent in the right places. Well, I appreciate that, Greg. And thanks for, for coming to talk to us about it. Um, let me start by saying that um, I'm not critical of other people looking for more traditional sources of talent. I, I understand that. I think it makes a ton of sense. And I think 
what the folks at U of M and, and Ross and Gilbert and company are doing is great. We need more of that. Uh, they are certainly trying to address exactly what Amazon was talking about in terms of the uh, high-tech, highly educated, uh, globally mobile workers. They're right. There is a shortage of those in Detroit. However, what my speech the other night was and what my message uh, often is, is that that's not the only solution. There's no magic bullet here. And it, frankly, that's not the most sustainable solution because there are 700,000 people in this city, uh, many of whom don't fit that category. You know, they don't have college degrees and they're not going to uh, create um, uh, some new tech product or a, a biomedical research uh, uh, lab next week. Um, and so if you're defining talent as 25-year-old white guys with a college degree in uh, uh, computer science, you're right. We're short. On the other hand, uh, there's an incredible amount of talent here. It just doesn't look like, sound like, or have the same set of experiences or background as uh, talent does uh, in, in Amazon's worldview. We've got some incredible people here doing amazing things, and we need to expand our, our uh, worldview. We need to clear our filters and start looking for talent a little differently. Well, and, and you know, one of the things that you, you pointed out was that uh, the sort of definition of talent that we're looking at often is defined as, you know, young white males. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not necessarily what Detroit has an abundance of, obviously. And there's a whole lot of people that are overlooked in this space and maybe aren't even getting the opportunity to show off what talent they do have. Yeah. How do we overcome that? Our paradigms, our models for talent are overwhelmingly crafted by uh older white males and you know they're looking for the new emerging talent that means younger white males and um i think we all know i don't think i'm saying anything crazy in this day and age that that's just outdated it's not 1952 anymore it wasn't true then either but uh, i don't think people were willing to challenge it back then i think now it's uh, easier to challenge um because uh, and, and I'm not saying this out of some sort of social justice, uh, liberal, blah, 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 blah. It's based on data. Um, you look around at the people here and you see an abundance of talent that is not white, not young, not male. I often joke, joke that tech town is where the stereotype goes to die of the young white male entrepreneur because uh, 40% of our entrepreneurs are over the age of 50, um, 70% of them are not white, and 35% of them are women-owned businesses. But we were convinced that that could be even higher. And we know it can be even higher, but we wanted to go out and test ways to do it. So we created something we called Start Studio, which was a tech-based accelerator program, and we piloted it this fall. And our initial cohort had uh, 90% people of color. It had um, 50% women. Um, 30% of folks didn't have a college degree. 40% were over the age of 35, and 20% were over the age of 55, right? So here we are going out being very intentional and broadening the definition of what we call talent. And uh, you know, we found there is a ton. You just have to be conscious of the different barriers they face in accessing the existing programming. Well, I, I love the example that you gave of the woman who's got a full-time job, yeah. 10 kids, starting her own company, tech-based company, and yeah. she's 50-something years old. I don't think she's... Uh, or, she's, or, uh, she's getting... I don't know. I don't, uh, don't want to get in I trouble talking about how old she is. I might be mixing your stories here. No, I, I get that. But, but just saying, look, if this is not talent, what Come is? On. Exactly. And we have story after story about in Detroit. Everybody knows, and we have the mantra here that Detroit hustles harder. And you know we know that uh, intuitively. Uh, but we've had trouble translating that into data, and the reason why is because we're keep, we keep looking at it from the, the same lens. If you run an accelerator program and it runs Monday through Friday from 8 till 5, well, no one with a job can show up, which means you have to have already quit your existing job to start your new business. 
well, if you don't have the ability to go out and raise money from friends and family, if you don't have $100,000 sitting in the bank or own your own house or the ability to get a loan, um, you can't do that. So right there, that's a, that's a barrier. Um, the existing accelerator programs don't offer childcare. And if they meet during the day, you know, maybe your kids, you got to go pick up your kids from school or, you know, do things like that. That's another barrier. So, you know, we decided let's do it nights and weekends. Let's uh, uh, be intentional. Hey, sometimes you just have to be in the right network to know that these things even exist. Uh, and so we made a really conscious effort to, to utilize our entire reach all over the city to say, hey, there's something out there and it's for you. We're going to try to help remove the barriers. We got free parking. Go park downtown somewhere to go to one of these accelerators, and it's twenty bucks, right? At least, at least. And if you get a ticket, it's forty-five. So, um, you know, we we remove those barriers for people, and suddenly they're coming out of the woodwork. And and talk about, uh, you know, obviously success begets success. If you've got somebody that has a good experience here, it helps them build their business, helps them be self-sufficient. They're going to tell somebody else about it. Um, Word of mouth has got to be hugely important when it comes to this and getting people to realize, hey, if I did this, I'm going to tell somebody else how they can go do it. Uh, is that starting to happen? Well, it is. So we're, um, we're so happy with how the first Start Studio pilot went that we're, we're, we're about to relaunch a second one. We're doing you know sort of the, the phase right now where you analyze what worked, what doesn't, how do we tweak it to make it better. I mean, that's the whole point of a pilot. We, practice, we try to practice what we preach around Lean Startup. Uh, which is means going out and do these validated learnings. You test a hypothesis, and then you go back and learn from it. So we're in that learning phase. We think sometime in the next few weeks we'll, we'll relaunch a second uh, phase of it. Um, and my guess is the hypothesis we're going to test, one of the hypotheses we're going to test is referral source. How'd you hear about this? Was it someone who already went through the program? Is it, uh, was it from social media? Was it from a flyer in your local church? You know, was it some other way? Um, you know, our Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses program, pretty much the number one referral source is folks who've gone through the program already. Okay. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't the case as well. Well, and, and how are you going to gauge success? I mean, not every company is going to succeed. Um, how do you gauge success? That's a great question. So uh, we get asked that all the time. And some of our funders are very specific. They want to know how many companies were created, how many jobs were created, how much other uh, investment was generated, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I respect that. Those are real metrics. They're, they're, they're valuable. They're not the only way to judge success, however, because if someone has been working on something in their spare time for six months or a year or two, and in the course of a couple of weeks or eight weeks or 10 weeks, you can walk them through the process to really test whether there's something here and they find out there's not, no jobs were created, no company was created, no other dollars were leveraged, but you just saved this person you know, months and months and months of, of, of hard work and stress and probably money that they were investing into it, and you taught them the way to validate their next idea. Does this really work How, without having to spend years working on it? So we call that a success. Does it re relate in, uh, um, uh, result in some of the metrics that some of those folks are looking for? No. Um, but again, that's why we need to expand our horizons and think a little differently about what success looks like. At the same time, you know, you're reaching out to a population that maybe, again, doesn't have the access uh, to these traditional means of, of financing everything else to get their, their idea going. You know, this is a lot of people, investors especially, are going to look at this as a riskier situation. Um, does that make them averse? to giving you the funds you need to actually make this kind of stuff happen? Or, or do they recognize that you're trying to reach out to a population that has been underserved? I think that our funders uh, recognize, hey, there's a need. 
So you go and look at things that you know, JP Morgan and some of the others have done around Entrepreneurs of Color Fund and, and Bank of America is a big player in this space and Invest Detroit and uh, different development folks. Those, they, they do a great job. Um, but they have noticed and they have seen that some of the, the companies that are coming towards them for investment are uh, still struggling with some of the basics so in their business model and their financials. They trust us. They know that the, the work that our teams do, both on the tech and non-tech side, so uh, that... Uh, Amy Rencher and Sarah Donnelly and Marlo Rencher, no relation, uh, are, are doing is uh, uh, really great at preparing these companies. So they, they view us and they're willing to invest in us as a way to de-risk, not completely, but to reduce the amount of uh, risk that's, that's in a company. I should remind folks, my guest right now is Ned Stabler, CEO here at TechTown Detroit. We are live at TechTown uh, doing this interview remotely here. We're going to be talking to TechTown a couple of times a month um, and, uh, again, a supporter of this program, but also we are supporters of the stuff that they're doing here in the city of Detroit. We're talking a lot about talent today and uh, what we need to do to make sure that Detroit, uh, the talent that is here, is uncovered uh, and also attracting and retaining talent. Uh, for years, the, the notion of talent has been that everybody's fleeing the city of Detroit. Um, we talked about retaining talent before we can talk about attracting talent. Where are we in that dynamic right now in your mind? So um, for years, there, there certainly was a, a, a The group so-called of, brain drain, right? Correct. And that, that was a real thing. Um, there certainly were a lot of people who could leave that did. Um, that number uh, basically stopped. It got down to... I mean. It's a city. People leave every year. You know, there's people have kids and they get married and they go off to college or vice versa or whatever. So that happens. But we're now at the rate uh, at, at the point where that rate is sort of the same with every other big city. That's just the normal churn. Um, we have struggled and uh, until recently with getting new people to come to the city. You, we've all heard the story. Someone shows up in Detroit and the first question a Detroiter asks them is, "Why'd you come here?" <laughs> yeah, we're our own worst enemy sometimes. We are. That's starting to change. That has changed now as well. So um, I think essentially it's leveled off, uh, and we're starting to get back on the uh, in going in the right direction. I, I will say, however, we need to, if we want this revitalization to be sustainable, we need to make sure that. The folks that are here and stayed here and never left here and their kids uh, have access to the same opportunities as those new people who are showing up saying, hey, look, there's a lot of opportunities here because they're right. There are. Um, but we can't be so focused on, oh, these new people who have a U of M degree or a Michigan State or a Wayne State degree who just showed up here uh, uh, provide because that's the easy part. Yeah. I mean, let's just be honest. I know why we gravitate towards it. It's easy to take someone with a college degree and plug them into our existing system. It's harder to go and get a returning citizen or someone with bad credit or no car or no ability to get transit or whatnot. It's harder to plug them into the workforce, uh, but way more valuable and way more sustainable if we do that. Those are huge challenges, and these are things that we've been dealing with for a long time. I mean, we've talked about, uh, again, barriers to, to entry for years. Mm -hmm. uh, do you get a sense that we're actually addressing this in a much more cognitive way than we have before? You're hearing about it now. The big companies, I think it's really important uh, that the big companies are really talking about it. And uh, they're talking about it not just from the we can't find workers perspective, although that's a big part of it, um, but also that they want a healthy region. They recognize that their missions are beyond just generating shareholder profit, that they are meant to be a part of revitalizing uh, their own homes, if you will, and being good corporate citizens in them. So uh, I think that's a really big step when you're watching a DTE or a General Motors or uh, a Ford, you know, some of those folks really digging into that. Um, I can't emphasize enough that this is an all hands on deck problem. Government, philanthropy are not big enough 
nor do market factors work well enough for them to influence it. We need the private sector. We need individual citizens. We need everyone to sort of get on board with, with this notion. You know, I, I listen to a lot of the talk that is coming from the private sector these days, and you are starting to see that shift. They're recognizing that their responsibility is perhaps a little bit more uh, than they're letting on. And, and I have to ask you, there was a statement recently from the Business Roundtable that said, hey, look, our, our mission for years and years was to generate profit for shareholders. That was the corporation's number one mission. They're changing their tune to being better corporate citizens. And I realize it's like turning the Titanic here. Uh, it takes a long time. But do you get a sense that this is something that is going to change, not just here in Detroit, but but really sort of on a, on a global scale, whereas corporations are realizing that their responsibilities are beyond just their shareholders. So it's interesting you mentioned the Titanic in that, not because <laughs> I didn't not want to say it's it was crashing. tragic. Yeah, uh, but right, but, but, but what's interesting about that is that it's been a while, frankly, since right about the time, shortly before the time of the Titanic, its brief uh, period, uh, that corporations actually existed not to turn uh, profits for shareholders, that, but that actually in the to 80s. do a public that, good. That was a 1980s kind of thing. It, it actually, I mean, I'm, I'm not... If I remember the Business Roundtable officially changed their statement in the 1980s. Oh, they changed it to say that... To say our responsibilities to our shareholders and shareholders only. Interesting, um, because I, I will tell you there were a series of court cases in the 20s and 30s um, that where shareholders sued the directors of corporations to say, hey, you should be trying to make us money, not doing all this other stuff. Yeah. And the courts affirmed that, yeah, actually you do have a responsibility to shareholders and that's your primary uh, uh, function. The reality is that in the, in the, until about the time of the Titanic, um, public good was actually a big chunk of why corporations existed. And I don't mean your, your mom and pop grocery store and whatnot, but I mean public corporations with shielded, limited liability, and now I'm getting way into the weeds here. But, sure. but that's, how, that's why they existed. You had to be, until in Michigan, I think 1895 or 1900, you had to be chartered by the state legislature if you wanted to open a corporation, right? Um, so that was the goal. And, you know, over the next hundred years, we really swang, swung, swing the other way too far, I think. And I think it's good to hear that folks are starting to realize, hey, wait a second. You know, there's some unintended consequences of that. Ned Stabler, my guest, again, CEO here at TechTown. Uh, you know, I'm just going to hit on a few different subjects here. But, you know, as I'm sitting here, you've got this co-working space. There's, all these people have different things going on. They work, they've got their own businesses. Uh, what's it like when you see somebody making a connection here? Uh, because that's got to be a big part of a part of what you're doing here. Having people meet each other, find out that they actually could work together on projects uh, and networking. It's Craig, it's part of why we're so excited to have you here and doing this series is that there's so many exciting folks that are here in this space that we want to share with you. Don't take my word for it, right? Um, uh, I want you to come and meet and talk to and learn about some of the folks that are here doing really amazing things. One of the real magical po points about TechTown that you just referenced is the connections that happen here. We really think uh, it's, uh, you know, it's sort of hard to measure, but it's incredibly valuable. Uh, one of my clients recently said, uh, coming to TechTown is like going to a networking event every day. And I, it's true. I'm, I've been, as we've been sitting here talking, three or four people have walked by that I've said in my mind, I want to introduce you to Craig, like just because they're walking by here. Um, I try to measure it, though, because I'm one of those metrics dorks. I actually put a retail traffic counter above the front door three years ago to measure how many people were coming in every day, figuring that's sort of a proxy for critical mass. And uh, two years ago, it was 160,000 people came through the door. Last year, it was 185,000. This year, we're on pace for about 210,000 people coming in. Um, so every, anybody who's listening to this, uh, you know, come into Sackdown. There's a lot of everything 
almost everything here is open to the public. Come on in, and uh, it's like a networking event every day. You'll meet somebody really cool. Well, I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of these folks over the course of the next several months. Uh, we appreciate your help in getting this done. And uh, Ned Stabler, congratulations on, on everything that's happening here. Um, it's exciting times in Detroit. Yeah, thanks, Craig. We're real excited to be a part of this with you. All right, Ned Stabler, my guest on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Again, Ned Stabler, president and CEO at TechTown Detroit, one of the great sponsors of this program. We'll be spending some time over at TechTown over the course of the next few months interviewing some interesting people doing cool stuff. Cool people doing cool stuff. That's what I'd like to talk about on this show. Don't forget, tomorrow, some not-so-cool people, myself included, Nancy Derringer, Alan Langle, the week that was will be on tomorrow. Looking forward to that. There's plenty to talk about this week. It is a historic time in our nation. Regardless of how you feel about this impeachment inquiry, it is historic. So we'll talk a bit about that, and I'm sure a number of other things will come up as well. I want to remind you, you can get in touch with me. It's easy to do. Send me an email, Show at gmail.com is the easiest way to reach me. I'm old. I like email still. So sorry, you youngins. Go ahead. That's the best way. But if you like social media better, that's fine. Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can reach me at all those locations as well. And I do appreciate your feedback and suggestions. And I just want to say thanks to everybody for being patient as I underwent some fun dental stuff over the course of the last few days. It's always a blast. Um, And I'll tell you what. uh, Take good care of your teeth. Go to the dentist if you're at college. Make sure you keep going to the dentist when you come home on vacation. Don't blow it off because that's when the problem started. Not going to the dentist for a couple of years when I was young, and it's just been downhill ever since. Don't follow me down this dark path, people. Anyway, have a great day. We'll talk tomorrow. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services.